Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. This episode is a really, really interesting one. I'm delighted to bring you an episode today with a man by the name of Aidan Connolly. Aidan recently became the CEO of an ag tech company called Caintus. But before this, he held the position of CIO at Alltech, a company which he worked for for 20 plus years. Aidan has worked in over 100 countries and speaks five languages. He has worked in political associations with state and national governments in the US, China, Europe and Brazil, international organisations such as the European Union and the United Nations. If you ask me, this episode is a masterclass in forging a successful career in agriculture and we hope you leave it feeling as enlightened as we did after chatting with Aidan back in February. Welcome to the podcast. We're thrilled to have you. Can you chat to us a little bit about your industry knowledge, but also a little bit about how you got into the agricultural industry? Yeah, thank you very much. So um, I started in the agricultural business by joining a company called Alltech. They were in Ireland, uh, are in Ireland, and they're also in about a hundred and <clears throat> I'd say 110, 120 countries in the world. Not at that stage when I joined them. They were at that stage only in about 27. It's a small company and I knew the founder. He was my uncle. Yeah. So that's oh, a short okay. version of how I got into the company. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but because I'd grown up in a city, he thought it would be a good idea for me to know about agriculture. So he sent me immediately down to work on a farm. I worked on a dairy farm, a beef farm, a sheep farm and milk cows and you how know. old were you when this was happening oh i was straight out of college so okay. i was early, early 20s yeah. uh, 22 probably and then he thought i spoke french so he immediately well not immediately but after a year of doing different stuff for him uh driving trucks setting up trade shows working in production and all the things that you plus the farming um he believed i spoke french so he moved me to france to set up the business of france on <laughs> wow. my own wow. at 23 years of age so that was um whereabouts in france were you based well, I got to choose where I wanted to live, so I decided to live in Paris. But uh, not surprisingly, there weren't very many cows in Paris, so I was on the road <laughs> almost all the time visiting customers. And some of the customers would have me stay at their farmhouses and, you know, stay w- with, them, with them while they did stuff. So that was also cool. Yeah, that would have been very interesting going to France, especially when was that, the 80s, 90s? It was the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing. It... Uh, <clears throat> France is a wonderful country to go to because they have such a emotional connection with food. Yeah. Which I know Australians sometimes have an emotional con- connection, yeah. certainly with barbecues and, and other things. But yeah. they really, in their bodies, viscerally connect with food. Yeah, especially <laughs> dairy, would you say? I said uh, to them one day, I said, you know, one of these cheeses that you're eating, it's, it's kind of dangerous, isn't it? I said, well, yeah. I said, well, it's got listeria and the English want to have it banned in the European Union because it sometimes kills people. And I said, well, Aidan, you don't understand. To lose two or three people every year for a good cheese is a perfectly good price to pay. <laughs> 
So that's just a totally different perception of food safety. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they were making a kidding, you know, trying to make a joke at my expense, but I still I still remember that moment of losing two or three people, but it's a good cheese. That's okay. What do you think the biggest learning curve you faced going into agriculture from coming from a really non-agricultural background? I think that um, anybody who is good at asking questions gets a long way in life. Yeah. I saw somebody saying that about Sarah... Um, here at the conference that she's really good at asking questions and and I feel that I came out of college somewhat as a know-it-all and I met friends who were really good at asking questions and they learned so much compared to me yeah so I always give the advice no matter how smart you think you are just yeah. ask lots of questions so when I got my chance to be on farm and to learn uh, I was asking farmers why do you think this why do you do that why are you approaching it this way and that's invaluable the lesson I would have learned during the first three months doing that job are things I still use in my career today. Yeah, and I think that as well, people in agriculture respect the fact that you might not know what you're talking about, but you'll take the time to ask and understand before you actually go and do, which I think is really important. Entirely, uh, but it is has to be genuine. Yes, You know, yes. if it's self-serving or if you're asking a question just to try to be clever, they see through that right away. Absolutely. It, it genuinely has to be that you're interested. But farming and food production is fascinating. Yes. I mean, they, even, even for people that grew up in farming, you get into another type of farming and you go, wow, I never thought about that. Mm. So you, that curiosity, if it's not in, in you, you have to find it because that is going to give you the longevity for your career. There's a scary book written about the future of the world, um, three books, I guess, but by a writer called Yuval Noah. And he wrote uh, Homo Sapiens, he wrote uh, Homo Deus, and he's written another one, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. And he says, he was asked, what should people do um, going to college? Should they study agriculture? Should they study uh, mathematics? Should they study... And he, he stopped on stage, I was watching the video on YouTube, and he stopped for quite a while, and he said, look, you'd think I should know the answer to this, but I get asked it all the time, but there is no easy answer. What I think you need to say to somebody going to college is, when you leave college, you can't stop learning. Yeah. That yeah. the future is going to be about continuous learning. And in agriculture, that's true, more true than anything else. Continuous learning will sustain you in your career. If you stop learning, if you think that because you have a, uh, an undergrad from uni or you've even got a PhD or master's, that you're done, you're certainly not done. Yeah, I always say that um, your undergrad is like step zero to like yeah. getting out there. I, I <laughs> say it kind of is really, you know, not even step one to getting a job. No, it's not step one. I, you should be able to get in the door, but the person you become is all about curiosity and continuous learning. Yeah. Okay, take us then. So you're you've moved to Paris. You're starting up this company for your uncle in Paris. How do you get from there to doing what you're doing now? Um, it's been a long journey. I, I I hope I look younger than I I, I know I am, so, uh, <laughs> and I certainly try to uh, enjoy what I do. So I worked for them for a year in uh, sorry two years in France. I'd worked previously in Ireland in a row myriad of roles, pretty much doing whatever they wanted. I went to Paris. Um, and then started traveling to Brittany, which has 70% of the, all of the animals of, of, uh, of France. I s hired somebody to be my office manager. I hired another salesperson who was a veterinarian, um, and I built the business. Then I read a report on Brazil and said, that sounds cool. So uh, the founder, the owner of the company, uh, Dr. Lyons, said, great, um, why don't you go to Brazil then next? So I moved to Brazil and I was there four and a half years. 
set the business up from scratch, um, built a sales business. Uh, we established a factory, so we started manufacturing in Brazil. And by the time I left that, I think we had a couple of hundred people and nearly 10 million in turnover. And then I moved to the US, where I was responsible for, it was two of us divide the business, so the other person got the good stuff and I got everything else. <laughs> um, so I got to cover, at that stage, pigs, poultry, beef, and pets. Kind of weird. And he did dairy. And the business was primarily dairy. Yeah. And then moved back to Europe to do a turnaround covering 50 countries later after six seven years of that moved to Washington DC where I um, lived and started joining all a lot of industry boards and then moved to Kentucky as chief innovation officer before 12 months ago getting a rush of blood to the head and deciding that I would set up my own business agritech capital and I did that for three months it still exists, but uh, doing a lot of consulting for our British government, food companies, ag tech startups. And somewhere around about exactly 12 months ago, Cainters invited me to be the CEO of a company involved in recognition of cows. So that's as short as I can make it, <laughs> but it is, uh, it's been a wild ride and yeah. um, a lot, a lot of different things in a lot of countries, had to learn languages, had to travel a lot, 100 countries, etc. I think it's amazing to understand the diversity in agricultural industry, but also in the job market and where it can take you, especially in Australia, we're very isolated. So it's quite different to you guys over in Europe, you know, you've got countries everywhere. So I think a lot of people are always thinking about their own country and their own state, but there's jobs throughout the whole world in agriculture that can lead to an amount of opportunities. And you're definitely the reflection of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been to conferences. I don't think it's a big issue for Aussies um, Europeans either but for Americans the first thing I say when I meet a, when I go to a conference of young people I say get yourself a passport yeah. travel yeah. go to China see their agriculture yeah. go to Canada see what they're doing <clears throat> go to Denmark go to South America yeah. just any opportunity you can get I feel if you're in a city, go to a grocery store. You're going to learn a lot from being in a supermarket, seeing how food is presented, how it's priced, Providence, antibiotic-free or GMOs or whatever these issues are. You learn an awful lot about how a country thinks about its food by what you see in a supermarket. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I would say just, again, that curiosity factor combined with a a, a passport and hopefully enough money to travel. Yeah. <laughs> That's a or critical. enough money to get you to the other side at <laughs> exactly. least, and then you can figure it out. <laughs> figure it out from there. So can you talk to us a little bit about your job as a CEO and what that sort of encompasses? Because the CEO role is quite a unique role in itself. Absolutely. <clears throat> so the CEO has to provide the leadership and that's the critical part of it and of course not surprisingly everybody likes the idea of being a leader yeah <laughs> <clears throat> so you hear that a lot you hear um, oh I'd love to be leading this love to be leading that yeah. But leadership comes responsibilities yeah. you have to be prepared to fire people you have to be prepared to tell customers no you have to be able to deal with investors in the case of a startup that are not happy you have to be able to take tough decisions and an awful lot of people struggle with that. And many of them, you'll see in their 20s and 30s, they want to be the CEO because they're tired of somebody telling them what to do. Yeah. Then they get the position and they go, 
hey, I didn't really think yeah, <laughs> it was going to be massive. like this. I'm not enjoying this. And you see founders who drop back to become chief operating officer, chief scientific officer, chief uh, sales, whatever, uh, officer, rather than to stay a CEO because they just don't find it that fun. Many people only that discover that in their 50s and 60s, which is pretty sad because they've wasted a lot of time to realize they don't enjoy what they thought they'd enjoy. They like less responsibilities. They like more freedom to do what they really think they can do to add value. But the CEO, for me, um, if some tough decision has to be taken, I embrace it yeah I look forward to it I don't like giving it to other people I, I'm happy for to delegate to other people that's important and to allow them to learn but I won't allow a tough decision not to be taken yeah yeah um, because I didn't have the the guts to do it I, I I will you know believe that that's my role that's what I get paid to do mm. talk to us about um, Caintus now what's what is it for those what, uninitiated <laughs> what is Caintus well when I get onto an airplane people say I explain it to them in lots of words and lots of details and they say oh you mean facial recognition of cows I say no it's not facial recognition of cows but you can tell <laughs> that's what everybody remembers yeah. even when it isn't quite that so we've learned um, to put cameras into animal livestock facilities at the moment we're focused on dairy we put it into the barn, we use the cameras to observe or watch the cows all the time, we digitize the images and we use algorithms to interpret what we're seeing. Yeah. At the moment, we're fo our focus is on feed bunk management. So how much feed is available to the cows, when is it available, when was it cleaned away, uh, when was fresh feed put out and when did push-ups take place and we date stamp or time stamp those on an app for the farmer so they can see effectively whether they're workers or themselves whether they're doing things in a timely manner and of course more feed means more milk if the cows have more access to more feed they get they will produce more milk but the cameras can see every cow every minute of the day 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year so i often say uh, as i did yesterday here at the conference we domesticated the cow 8,000 years ago we, we've actually almost everything in agriculture was invested in was invented 10,000 years ago Almost everything was in a 2,000-year period. Why we roamed the earth for a million years and then suddenly everybody turned around and said, let's farm. There's lots of theories about why that is. One is it coincided with the end of the last ice age. So maybe farmers were the ones that survived and thrived. But yeah. one way or the other, that food and the availability of food allows us to have villages and towns and civilization and to come to conferences like this and mm. to listen to podcasts. You couldn't do that without farming. I think we're at the next inflection point. Yeah. I think the ability to use sensors and robots and cameras and machine vision and camera vision and artificial intelligence will catapult us, catapult us forward in a similar manner to what we saw 8,000 years ago when the first farmers appeared. Yeah. So is the Cantus um, product then, is it the AI, the algorithm, or is it the you know the actual hardware, the cameras and those sorts of things? Or well, both? there's some secrets with the cameras, <clears throat> but we don't make the cameras, we don't make the wiring, we don't make the, the, the servers. What we do is we work on the algorithms to interpret it. And that's the secret sauce, is to be able to see a bunk and teach the system what is feed and what is not feed. So I, I have uh, somebody in the team, she uh, qualified from MIT and she worked on the uh, particle accelerator. And I said, Jane, uh, I said, Jane, this is, uh, this is rocket science. 
to Aiden, I've done rocket science. Rocket science is a lot easier than this. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot harder than rocket science. Wow. So um, all kidding aside, that, that's the reality. This is extremely difficult stuff to do. It's extremely expensive to develop it. But it's amazing what it can, insights it can give us. And you just imagine it could transform everything. And it, and it takes significant amount of time to train this algorithm, right? Yes, and lots of people. So we've been working on it for four years. Some of what we've learned is what not to do. So some of it has been simplifying, stripping away, not like originally we were genuinely examining every single individual cow and doing facial recognition of every cow. The challenge of that became that that generated huge amounts of data and storing that data on farm is very expensive and very difficult. Um, so we've gone for something which is easier, cheaper, and very valuable to the producers, and they can, you know, justify paying for it. But it is absolutely clear that uh, just what we can do next is, is amazing. So it's a commercially available product right now? Or? It's it is commercially available. Yeah. It's commercially available in the United States. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to yeah. ask, It, where it are was you? launched last week. Oh, wow. Oh, I congratulations. Was, yeah, That's I was awesome. on... Uh, ABC, the American one, yeah. not the Australian, <laughs> yeah. CBS, and Fox News Live wow. from, oh, a, from a farmer show in California. Oh, cool. So they all arrived at 6 o'clock in the morning, and suddenly I thought we were just videoing, and uh, you know, make you videotape, and then suddenly you realize, actually, this is live because they're talking to the presenter back yeah. in. Yeah, morning news. Morning news. Yep. And then they all came around in the afternoon and did it again for the evening news. That's awesome. What great mm. uh, sort of media coverage. I think that's really important. Something I think in Australia we're struggling with is is the media acknowledging what's happening in agriculture. So it's amazing to hear that America's really taking hold of the new technology that's happening. I'd be surprised. I I think people don't always engage with agriculture or farming, but they engage with food. Yes. So yes. Having, I don't know of another stand, another company that got the coverage we got last week. Yeah. What we're doing in terms of this is very interesting to all types of consumers. Yeah. So they're very, whereas maybe if we went with something which is more quintessential, like better plant genetics, just yeah. wouldn't excite them. Yeah. Yeah, so they're looking for that consumer story. But I think there's a lot to be learned from that. If we want to connect with people, we have to connect with them through the food, not through not through agriculture per se. Yeah. Although a lot of people are also interested in farming. Farming seems to be a very hot topic for them yeah, as well. Yeah, I think people just want to understand the whole supply chain from the beginning to end, particularly in Australia. We've had a lot of um, talk about live export recently and climate change are both hot topics. And I think we've realised that in Australia, farmers don't advocate for themselves and they don't put the education out there so that's been something that we're really struggling with yeah I'm on um, we and I talked about this yesterday but <coughs> I'm on LinkedIn and I actually am putting out an, a list of uh, advocates so people who advocate for agriculture globally yeah. I did it before I, I put out a list of 500 organizations and people and um, had a little bit of people who took it controversially yeah thought that I was ranking or rating or yeah, saying this okay. person's good and this person's not I yeah. wasn't I was saying here are the resources yeah. but I've identified about 50 podcasts oh awesome yeah I'm not sure you're on it yet but you will be <laughs> by the time the list goes out which will be out in maybe two weeks time but I'm saying there were about 50 podcasts globally that I thought people should listen to wow that's incredible that there's that many resources globally for people to be able to tune in and understand a little bit further what's happening in the industry for sure mm. and you mentioned LinkedIn which is something that I wanted to talk about can you talk about your influence on LinkedIn but also 
we were sharing yesterday, you were sharing your analytics and you've got over 20,000 followers on LinkedIn and some of your resources that you put out, just blogs, get 20,000, 30,000 hits alone, which is astonishing. And I think a lot of people in Australia, especially in this industry, don't realise the value agriculture has using social media. So can you chat a bit about that and your thoughts behind the value of LinkedIn particularly, but even social media in general? Yes, uh Clearly, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we've got Facebook, and we've got LinkedIn. And people put, I think, very clear boxes around each one of those, which is not always appropriate. Mm -hmm. Facebook tends to reach a bigger audience. Yeah. A lot of farmers on Facebook, of course. Absolutely. Uh, Instagram is typically a younger thing. Yeah. And Twitter tends to be older. I mean, Donald Trump is on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, That said, it also, in my view, a little bit of an echo chamber. Twitter tends to reach people already believe in whatever we're promoting. Yeah, yeah. LinkedIn for me became, and I'm quite active on Twitter. I've got about 7,000 followers and I tweet regular newsy things as well. Yeah. But LinkedIn, I think, is one of the most underestimated resources out there. I love it. I think a lot of people focus on LinkedIn to get a job. Mm-hmm. It's way, way, way more than that. Yeah. If you look at the groups that are on LinkedIn, you can choose to be on a group that's involved in ag tech, future of agriculture, future of food. You can be involved in ones that are very specific to an area. So there's an agriculture Australia, ag tech Australia. You can look. So look at groups that there's some groups that have got to up, up to 100,000 people people active on the group yeah um future trends i think which is a more generic group it's got over a million yeah so the things there that are really worth joining and linkedin will allow you to join to up to 100 groups i uh, write a blog every month my blogs are typically read by about 3,000 people so 3,000 reads of it and as you said the top ones are read by 20,000 the last one i wrote which is seven mega trends for 2020 in food and farming um has been out for about three and a half weeks and it's got 6,000 reads so these subjects are intrinsically very interesting to people way beyond farming yeah and that's a critical part of what we need to understand that and, and what i try to do is i don't try to write biased pieces or saying you're awful consumers we're fantastic farmers i try to write very balanced pieces that say look we have genuine issues in climate change we are dealing with them we're dealing with them in ways you don't necessarily know so yeah. we're making animals more efficient that's awesome that reduces requirement for resources there are companies such as companies here in Australia that advertise chicken and the water footprint of producing chicken and showing how the the, te- the steps they're taking to reduce it. Yeah. I see AgTech as being amazing for agriculture in Africa. Yeah. Maybe you don't need roads, you could use drones. Yeah. Maybe you don't need to be sending parts, you could use a 3D printer. Yeah. Maybe you don't need to worry about farmers having access to market information. You give them an app on their phone that gives them that access. Yeah. Or train them through YouTube videos. So it's just a extraordinary things that can be done people embrace or engage with a very positive vision of where this is all going and I used LinkedIn as you say through the 20,000 people that follow me I use it very actively to try to achieve that agenda yeah and how much time would you spend a week you know maybe um, curating your LinkedIn or your blogs because I think that time you've put in is valuable so how much time would you say you use it for oh probably um, you know, it might be five minutes twice a day. Yeah. The, the blog is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. I write blogs that are 2,000 words long. Yeah. And that requires some research, sometimes some thinking, some putting it. Sometimes they write themselves. Yeah. Sometimes they take more. Not 
everybody loves writing. Yeah. Um, but what I would ask is that I, if you like what I write, that you retweet it or you repost it. Yeah. And reposting is easy. Or put it back onto other groups or make a comment, which takes you five minutes. Yeah. And then we start to engage in a bigger, bigger discussion. Absolutely. Um, I don't use it much for newsy type items. I tend to use Twitter more for that. Yeah. But I did from here put up uh, that I was at Evoke and yeah. described what I'd seen. And I think I had uh, about 10,000 impressions this morning. Oh so, my gosh. so people do stuff in the immediacy of what they yeah. see and that's that's great as well. Yeah. And another question apart about Evocag, what has been your uh, experience here so far being immersed in Australian agriculture? Oh, it's awful. No, no I'm joking. <laughs> joking. <laughs> joking. Uh, really impressive location. Very impressive array of companies that have come. Yeah. Fantastic audience, size yeah. and, and scale and the fact that they're interested in specialised. Um, I think the comment was made yesterday that Australian ag tech is punching below its weight. Yeah. And I can see why that would be said. It, it's not quite clear cut because there seem to be lots of great companies. Um, you know, AgriWeb, for example, who I've had a lot of relationship with because I was involved in an accelerator that brought them to Ireland. A very impressive company. Um, and, and I was talking to Agerson's last night. They seem to be making serious traction with these uh, fenceless um, systems that allow you to have livestock. What I see from CSRIRO, they're doing an alliance with Thrive from California. They seem to have a lot going on. So it's an extremely dynamic space. And this is probably my first exposure to the full extent of what's happening. Yeah. So I was very impressed by that, the professionalism. But we don't see as many on the world stage as, as we should yeah. or as we need to. Yeah. Mm. And I think the funding thing, yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword. If somebody offers, we've been offered $100 million, and next question is, okay, if I take the $100 million, yeah. what do I do with it? Yeah. Because I have to spend it wisely. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to wonder where the money went. Yeah. But I, I do get the impression that, that agriculture or ag tech in Australia is underfunded. Yeah. It could, it could do with more resources. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about it a little bit, but... To sort of sum up this conversation, what excites you the most about the future of agriculture and indeed ag tech? Look, we've fundamentally done a phenomenal job in agriculture of being custodians of the environment, taking care of resources, providing food that's affordable, providing food that's safe, providing food that's nutritious, making it available in all parts of the world, getting rid of seasonality so you can eat apples and fruits and all this stuff all the time. But the gaps in our knowledge are still huge. And if I run a research farm of any sort for crops or for livestock, what I will produce will be 10% better than what I get from the farms in the field. And if I look at the genetic potential, probably 30% ahead of where we are. And if we start thinking about precision of understanding in real time what's happening, the gaps could be even bigger again. Food waste being another example of where there's massive opportunities for 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 um, efficiencies to to be to occur. So if I'm somebody young coming in into an industry, there is no better industry to come into than this. If I'm in the industry, there's no better industry to advocate for than this. If I go to a dinner party in a, in, in a city and I meet those people that always say those awful things about agriculture, we have ammunition to talk about stuff that's just fascinating to most people. How are we going to feed 10 billion people? How do we um, change the paradigm in Africa? 
How do we make sure that we treat animals even better, that we take care of the environment even better? All of these things are things that if you don't have a passion for this, yeah. you definitely don't want to be in this business because you should have it yeah. and you should become that advocate or that agricultural advocate that's out there uh, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook or in person just telling people what a great business this is. Aidan, before we wrap it up, what we like to ask everyone is how can they find you and reach out to you if they want to get in touch? Sure, so you gather that I'm on LinkedIn, <laughs> uh, AJ Connolly, you should find me pretty quickly, Cantus and Agritech Capital. Twitter, it's at AJ Connolly1. Somebody else obviously had already hogged <laughs> the, the space on those two. And uh, I always take emails, so A Connolly at agritechcapital.com. Awesome. Um, that's all run together, as in A Connolly's run together, and then at agritechcapital.com. So I always respond, maybe not in 24 hours, but trust me, if you send me something, LinkedIn message, Twitter message, or email message, very happy to help anybody I can. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Thank you so, Thank much, you so much for your, for your time. time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.